we have we have apocalyptic Sundays in our house, right? And so the kid, the my boys, they go to sleep in the same room, so they listen to the Bible when they go to sleep. And the the older li- gets to pick, you know, what what they want, what they get to listen to on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. The younger one picks on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and then I get to pick on Sunday. So everybody knows that it's always apocalyptic Sunday, and we listen to either Revelation or Daniel. So they never pick Revelation or Daniel, but it's always what I pick. So. Um, okay, so though there's temporal blessing and punishment, we, in light of a cruciform apocalyptic approach to the scriptures, the broad, the overarching dominant nature of this age is cruciform and mercy, right? So even though the Lord does punish the wicked, even the purposes behind the temporal punishment are merciful. Okay, so the reason why punishment happens is out of love and mercy to bring the unrepentant to repentance, right? So like in the book of Revelation, you about three times where you get the pouring out of the bowls of wrath, the opening of the seals, and the response of the people, though all these judgments happened, they still did not repent of their idolatry and their uh, immorality and wickedness. So. The purpose of the judgments is to bring repentance ultimately. Though sometimes the judgments don't bring repentance, but bring even harder hardness. They bring hardness. So just a number of dynamics that go on in, in the heart of man in relation to God. So Luke 13 is an example of this where you have a belief on the part of, of those listening to Jesus that... Um, uh, that there's a direct correlation between the sins of man and the temporal judgments, right? So he says this time Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some of the some of the people from Galilee as they were sacrificing at the temple in Jerusalem. Do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than the other people? Jesus asked. Is that why they suffered? Right? Is God doing temporal judgment one-to-one for the sins of human beings? He says, not at all. You will also perish unless you turn from your evil ways and turn to God. What about the 18 men who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Were they worse sinners? <clears throat> Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No, I tell you again, unless you repent, you will also perish. So we have to take a loose approach to temporal punishment and temporal blessing, okay? That we don't become dogmatic about it, but that we approach it in a broadly general, merciful way, okay? And so you'll hear things, you know, especially in the charismatic circles, you know, temporal judgments will happen, people will die, Storms will happen. Earthquakes will happen. You get this immediate, they're sinners! That's why it happened. And it's like, well, you know, were the people in the tsunami in Japan worse sinners than anybody else? No, the purpose of it is to bring repentance on all accounts, right? Because they died in a tsunami. That is not justice, right? Justice 
is that lake outside, that valley outside Jerusalem being filled with fire and receiving a resurrected body with eternal conscious torment. That's justice, right? So even dying in a tsunami in, in some way is mercy in the situation. And so we just have to, like, it's merciful in communicating to the rest of the world that God is sovereign over what he's created, and he's warning human beings of the eternal judgment to come. And this is how we have to relate whether it was a direct divine act on that specific group or people, right? Like uh, Jezebel was thrown on a sickbed for her sin. Direct correlation one to one, right? But this guy's this guy's born this guy's born blind, right? John eight or whatever. Who sinned, him or his father? Uh, well, yes, Adam. That's that's who's to blame for the whole equation. But God will receive glory in it. So we just have to approach it. That's why. That's why I say we have to approach temporal judgments and blessings in light of a broad theology of this age, the age to come, the day of the Lord, and broadly the mercy of God in this age. That that's what's driving everything that's happening, even the temporal blessings and and punishments. Because then it, then we can interpret also the temporal blessings in a merciful way. Thank you, God. You know, and we interpret when there's not temporal blessings as the mercy of God. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. But I will praise the Lord. You, you, you see what I'm saying? I've learned the key to contentment, whether I have much or whether I have little, First Timothy 6. And so the key to contentment is setting your heart fully on the grace to be given to you at the revelation of Jesus. So... Acts 17, in the past God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, for he set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he's appointed. Second Peter 3, in light of the heavens being stored up with fire, translate it either way, get a definite slant to the whole passage after that and how you translate that preposition with or for being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. The Lord's not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance or come to repentance. So we just have to keep in mind, this is what will bring sensibility. In, 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 uh, because I found that the, Justice workers are real zealous, you know, and that's it's what happens with doctrines that come. People get blown to and fro like the wave of the sea, right? It's, it's the zeal that, that produces the movement of the wave. It's the roar that happens that people are like, yeah, you know, and they just get tossed into delusion over there. And so... We, we want a, a, a grounding in the scriptures of, of what is happening on the bigger picture so that we don't get tossed by men with, with zeal. Zeal's good. We want to maintain zeal, but we just have to have zeal with knowledge. So, Okay, so God's desire for justice, right? God wants mercy, but God also wants justice. Like, he feels it way more than we do. 
you know, like we get caught up in some issue of justice with the poor or issue of justice with immorality, sex trafficking, or issue of justice with murder and abortion or issue of justice with whatever. Like we get wrapped up in that thing and we think that we're wrapped up in it. Well, we're not wrapped up in it nearly like God is wrapped up in it. You know, so we, we want to identify with God in these things, but not get carried away to missing the bigger picture of what God is wrapped up in because he's more wrapped up in mercy towards the wicked than he is wrapped up in justice towards the wicked. You understand? And this is always what happens in, in justice movements is the cross becomes non-existent. The cross just disappears into the background. You get strange gospel of temporal judgment and blessing and who's righteous and wicked and you get this preaching of a perverted gospel of prosperity and condemnation that's temporally bound so that you don't say the same thing to a pimp and a prostitute alike. alike. You, you condemn the pimp and you comfort the prostitute, both of them under sin, both of them condemned to a lake of fire, and you, you usher them both into delusion, one hopelessly, one arrogantly. You know what I'm saying? Rather... You preach repentance to the pimp to be saved from the wrath to come. You preach, you preach repentance to the prostitute in light of the wrath to come. The prostitute forgives. The pimp repents. Repents. Pimp repents. Right? Like you get, you, you, you get on both sides be, because it's nobody's, nobody's without guilt in the equation, even the prostitute. The prostitute's guilty before God for dishonoring. Right? That has to be repented of. She can choose not to dishonor God, even if it means she sacrifices a lot of things for whatever, but everybody's at guilt in the equation, and, and we all have to come to terms with, with various ways in which that guilt is worked out. But anyway, so, and then you get a common gospel of we're all saved by the same means, right? Oppressor and oppressee alike. And, uh, so, uh, God's desire for justice. The prophetic testimony. Psalm 11, the Lord examines the righteous. Verse 6 is where the Lord, 3 and 4, I mean, uh, uh, 4 and 5, the Lord sits in heaven and on His throne. He, he looks down upon men to examine their hearts. He says, the Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked, those who love violence, His soul hates. On the wicked he will rain down fiery coals and burning sulfur. The scorching wind will be their lot, for the Lord is righteous. He loves justice. Upright men will see his face. Jeremiah 9, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight. <clears throat> but as for me, I'm filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, with justice and might, to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sins. Hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob, the rulers of the house of Israel, who detest justice, who make crooked all that is straight, who build Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. Its heads give judgment for a bribe. Its priests teach for a price. Its prophets practice divination for money. 
Yet they lean on the Lord and say, Is not the Lord in the midst of you? No disaster shall come upon us. And this is the delusion that always happens when when everything's set on this age and it's kingdom now, we've got to take over the seven spheres and all this stuff. And it's like, no, what always happens is it's all the same Constantinian Christendom thing that the righteous come into power and then they're wicked. always works this way. There's always the show of righteousness, but behind the doors, there's the same grinding of the poor. There's the same stuff going on. It's just like, it, and they put the put the face on. Oh, we're good. There's no disaster going to come upon us. And that's the irony of most of the justice movement things. Is then when you get on the inside of it, there's tyranny and oppression inside the cause for justice. <laughs> anyway, I, I live right across the street from the uh, really well-known big orphan adoption. You know international organization and they're known for taking the highest administrative percentage of any of those organizations so they have the most manipulative television commercials to adopt a child and then i look out from my house and it's all like lexus suvs and beamers and this big hundred acre complex and brand new remodeled everything and a huge lake and i'm just like all right this is not taking care of the orphan. You know what I mean? It's like, come on. So, um, Zechariah 7, that says the Lord of hosts, Render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor. Let none of you devise evil uh, against another in your heart. But they refused to pay attention. They turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped up their ears. They did not hear. They made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear the law and the words of the Lord of hosts. It sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great anger came from the Lord of hosts. So again, the, the, the Lord desires justice, and he sees it more than anyone else. But we have to have the Lord's perspective about the nature of human beings and all having fallen short and and the 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 call to a repentance in the midst of a wicked and crooked generation so the call to imitate the justice of god <clears throat> titus 2 for the grace of god has appeared bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in the present age waiting for a blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great god and savior jesus christ who gave himself to us redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works so you get the you know the 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 what the prophets are calling for and and walking and maintaining righteous and righteousness and justice in in your midst in light of the day of the lord because we want we want to give a testimony about how god is how it was in the beginning there's justice and righteousness. There isn't now. There will be in the age to come. And we want to give a testimony to, to uh, the Spirit of the Lord. So likewise, First Peter 1, Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it's written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on, a, on him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, 
conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile. So it's like, you get the, look, there's going to be revelation of grace and judgment at the return of Jesus. Therefore, be holy as God is holy. Be children of him. Be like your father and represent God in, in, in faithfulness. Walk out in, in, in fear throughout your time of exile in this age. So most pointedly, you get the tension of justice within the church in light of uh, the tension between justice and mercy in 1 Corinthians 5 and 6, where you have the sexually immoral and the people taking each other to court within the body of Christ. And Paul lays out how you deal with this tension, because again, it's like dealing with the law between Jew and Gentile. It's not a homogenous rule for everyone, right? There's difference based on how God relates to the two differently between Jew and Gentile. Likewise, dealing with judgment and mercy temporally, it's not universal between the church and the world. It's not homogenous between the two. God deals with the church differently than he deals with the world. And likewise, we have to deal with the tension between judgment and mercy with the church different than we deal with it with the world. And what's always happening is that we're we're making a, a, a blanket statement for believer and unbeliever alike that we want to relate to righteousness and judgment the same with believers as we do for unbelievers. And like a guy I know, he said, don't get all bent out of shape about Christmas and people perverting the, the, the birth of Jesus and materialism. They're unbelievers. They're dead. Of course they're going to. Like, well, why are you been out of shape about it? You know, so, so it just kind of like, I remember him saying that and going, yeah, that's like, that's how the Lord, he, he relates to unbelievers with no light and no understanding differently than he relates to believers who have knowledge of salvation. And there's a higher standard in the equation. So <clears throat> so uh, 1 Corinthians 5 and 6 reflect this in a, in a particular uh, context in the church of Corinth. When you're assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus. You are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. I'm writing you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of a brother. If he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, swindler, not even to eat with such a one. Okay, this is this is talking about if you're repentant, you're not these things, right? Because if you're repentant, you don't want to do these things. You are these things if you are these things. If you're not, if you're not repentant, and you're wanting, and you're scheming, and you're, and we all know, like we can tell the difference when somebody is generally. I mean, you can put on a false show of repentance, but usually, you know, once you have kids, you you know when there's yeah, I'm sorry, and when there's real sorrow you can begin to so as, as you mature in the Lord and 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 leadership and and, and guy leading people you usually can tell when people are genuinely repentant when they're not and so we're talking about people who are not repentant and they are these things and, and you know when they're scheming and manipulating and they're they're uh, doing their thing so anyway so he's saying don't even eat with such a one for 